Thank you, worship team. Thank you for using your gifts to serve us. We appreciate that. If you'd open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We continue our series on the indwelling spirit, the spirit of God who indwells you and I as Christians. Uh, we've wanted to maybe be reintroduced to, hopefully learn more about um, who the Holy Spirit is, what he does in us, and um, talk about some of those issues that uh, are related to the Holy Spirit. And so we want to continue that, a um, couple weeks left in this, and I want to read the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then we'll ask God's Spirit to teach us. Let's, let's follow along here. 1 Corinthians 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I'm reminded again, we are so utterly dependent upon you to teach us. It seems often, God, we can read a passage of Scripture and maybe something in the past or preconceived ideas or even things we're comfortable with become the grid in which we translate your word. But God, that's not what we long for. We, we want your spirit to teach us. Help us to see you as you really are. Lord, what might we see call us and cause us to a deeper surrender so that in all things, Jesus, you are honored, praised, and glorified. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, if you were sitting around Corinth at this time and you received this letter, it would be about 26 years after the birth of the church in Acts 2, Pentecost. You wouldn't have documents in front of you you would be, and we would be, dependent, as they were, upon the apostles' teaching, upon their prophetic ministry that would reveal God's truth to us. And so as they sat in Corinth, the Word of God came to them, and they didn't have 1 Corinthians like we do. It's the first time they read and heard about 1 Corinthians. It's the first time they heard about some of these things. And it's interesting, as you go through this book, if you looked at 1 Corinthians 7.1, Seems how intentional Paul is as he writes this. He says, now concerning the things about which he wrote, apparently they had written some things, 
1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols. And then he gets to chapter 12, which we just read. Now concerning spiritual gifts. And so you can kind of see Paul's addressing very specific things that he kind of calls them out that the Corinthians faced. One of the things in the church of Corinth that they were very proud of was their orators. People who were able to speak grand things and philosophical things. And that's why you kind of see right off the bat he talks about no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No matter how good you might think as an orator you are, it's the Holy Spirit that brings about the ability, the power, the insight to be able to say Jesus is Lord. The gospel had spread, obviously spread to Corinth, and this church in Corinth, they experienced new life. If you look at verse 2 right away, you know that when you were pagans, there's new life now. He's writing to those who'd experienced what it means to be born again. And over time, this church, as they began to be formed and teach, had become quite careless. A lot of the things Paul writes are too careless. And they were really enamored with excesses, whatever that would be, excess in marital relationships and immorality and and, and in the sign gifts, which we'll talk about next week. And so 1 Corinthians, a letter that's addressing questions that were raised and abuses that were existed. And the wonderful thing about chapter 12 is it tells us more about this indwelling spirit, what he does in us, what he desires to do in us, who he is, a little bit more about his character and his work, and it's just fascinating the things we learn, and so let's dig in a little bit more. Now, as I read verse 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That word manifestation is a rich word. It has this idea of to make visible or observable. In other words, spiritual gifts make something visible about the Holy Spirit. We often think of spiritual gifts as things that we use and they're kind of uh, on us, but we don't think in terms of what do the spiritual gifts show us about the Holy Spirit? What do they teach us about the Holy Spirit? Because that's why they were given. It's a manifestation of the Spirit. It reveals something of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to look at what those things are. Verse 4 through 6, I think, gives us the first thing spiritual gifts teach us. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, varieties of ministries, same Lord, and there are varieties of effects. And so we get this word, varieties. Gifts, ministries, results. Because there's a variety of gifts, there's varieties of ministries. And when those gifts are exercised in those ministries, there's a variety of results. And what does that tell us simply right off the bat? Is that the Holy Spirit's into variety. He's not a boring. The Holy Spirit, I, I mean, if you think about the way he's gifted the body, uh, the variety there is in the body, it tells us about the Holy Spirit. That he doesn't always work in the same path. There's different things he does, different gifts he uses, different peoples, different ministries, and different results. That tells us a lot. We also know that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the gifts. The word gifts, by the way, is charisma. It means a gift freely given, a gift graciously given, 
And in that, you and I are all charismatics. Word might make you uncomfortable. It don't really matter if you're uncomfortable with it. We're all charismatics based upon what that word means. You and I have been given spiritual gifts, charisma gifts, and we celebrate that. And they tell us a lot about the Holy Spirit, that he is a spirit of variety. But notice the same spirit, the same Lord, verses 4 through 6 tell us, and the same God. In other words, no one can take the Holy Spirit and run to right field and say the Holy Spirit's got his own agenda. No, there's a oneness of purpose within the Godhead, what we call the Trinity. There's no competing agendas. There's one purpose. We're going to learn a little bit more here about that in a second. It's interesting, 1 Corinthians 1.7 links this possession of gifts with the situation the history of redemption. In other words, it's not like God's carrying out a plan of redemption Oh, and over here, there's spiritual gifts being used that have no connection. No, it's in the context of God's plan in the history of redemption that spiritual gifts are a part of that whole plan, not separate from. Now, as we get into spiritual gifts, there's one of the questions I hear a lot, and, and maybe you've had it, is what about natural abilities? Are those spiritual gifts? Well, I think if they were natural abilities, Scripture would say they're natural abilities, I think natural abilities, I believe, are gifts, but they're natural abilities you get at natural birth. Spiritual gifts you get at spiritual birth. And that tells you and I something, that there's a purpose behind them, that at our new birth, the Holy Spirit gave you and I gifts. And kind of like the fruit, when those gifts are exercised, they come with the Spirit's power and supernatural fruit is born. God does amazing things when we use his gifts. And when gifts are in operation, they're an exhibition of the Spirit's power. They're spiritual in kind. They're not called natural. It's not that natural abilities aren't the platform in which we exercise spiritual gifts. I mean, think about music. What an incredible ability our worship team has. Music. But think about the gifts that operate with the platform of encouragement. We're taught, if you think about the lyrics of the songs. And so there's this, it's not that natural abilities never merge with spiritual gifts in that sense. Of course they do. But God does something supernatural with the gifts he gives us. If they weren't supernatural effects, they wouldn't be called spiritual gifts. They would just be called natural abilities. And so God empowers these gifts he gives to people. It's the ability that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So to have an impact that bears spiritual fruit. It has a spiritual impact when you and I use a spiritual gift as we submit to the surrender of the Holy Spirit's leading. There'll be spiritual power. There'll be spiritual fruit. There'll be spiritual results, as he says in verse 6. Why? I mean, why, why does the Holy Spirit give spiritual gifts? Well, the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 12, is all over this. It repeats it multiple times. Verse 7, first of all, each one, by the way, that's each believer. Every believer here has at least one spiritual gift, or it wouldn't say each one, is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. The common good of the whole body. That's what one reason spiritual gifts are given. The Holy Spirit's gifts are for building up the body. And the Holy Spirit's gifts carry power to effect change and strengthening and unifying God's people. When you and I walk in the Spirit, when we keep in step with the Spirit, we give free reign to him. And he will continually lead his people. 
to exercise their spiritual gift for the common good. I don't know if you've ever heard, sometimes you hear expressions in church, you know, I, I, I don't get much out of Sunday morning. Maybe you've heard that. Or I'm, I'm not really benefiting from our gatherings. I'm not really benefiting from this class. Notice the I orientation in that. It's pretty easy to slip into that, isn't it? I'm not getting, I'm not doing, and I'm not accomplishing all the stuff that I should, and it's, it's kind of I, 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 I. It shows really the focus is off where it's supposed to be. Spiritual gifts are about others. It's about building up the rest of the body, not even about our satisfaction, although that comes when we walk in the Spirit. But it's about building others up. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says spiritual gifts to serve others. 1 Corinthians 14. Look at two verses in 1 Corinthians 14. So also, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound. Why? For the edification of the church. Verse 26. What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble? Each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has interpretation. Let all things be done. Why? For edification. Spiritual gifts are given to build up the church. And if spiritual gifts are a primary means of building up God's people, what does that say about believers who refuse to exercise their gifts for the good of the body? Oh, this can be convicting a little bit. Well, here's a couple things I think it communicates when we refuse to use our gifts to build up the body. One is you're robbing the body of Christ. You're robbing the body of Christ. There's things you offer there's things you contribute to build up the body, and if you're not using your gifts, you're robbing your brethren of the impact you could have. And sometimes you're forcing others to carry the weight. If you have a gift of teaching and you're not using it, there's always people to be taught. Someone else is probably going to need to carry that load. And to be honest, you're out of touch with the Spirit of God if you're not using your gifts. It becomes an obedience issue and a surrender issue. Not a very encouraging situation to be when we're not using our spiritual gifts. And I also find that there's some, I don't know, you could say problems arise when you and I leave, lose even our, our focus of the purpose of them. We might begin to exercise them, but when we lose purpose, some things happen. One is we feel unappreciated. We feel like maybe no one notices. Nobody notices what I do. Nobody notices maybe the way I serve or the way I encourage people. It's pretty easy when we lose sight of the purpose to feel unappreciated. And when we lose sight of the purpose, some people just quit trying to discover their gifts. They don't seek it because they don't see the purpose. Mark Linder's offering a class right now, pretty timely, huh? And uh, he's begun that, and it's how to discover your spiritual gifts so you can live out the purpose of why God's given to you. And Mark will be leading us again see him. Um, if you're not quite sure where your spiritual gifts are, or ways that you can express them, uh, his training will be incredibly significant to you. Another thing happens when we lose purpose, uh, lose sight of the purpose, is the gifts become unused. There will be times where like, you know what, I, I have this gift and I know I could use it in this situation, and, and it probably could have a, a blessing on people, but I just set it on the shelf. It's unused. It's unbalanced when we don't see the purpose of it. Maybe we exercise the gift with the wrong motive or serving primarily in areas you're not really giftedness. We always serve in areas that maybe we don't, aren't fully gifted for. I'm not saying that. We do that. We step up to the plate uh, in ways. 
But when we're primarily serving in areas outside our gift, it, it actually becomes a little um, a tiring. Um, I, I find it great empowering when we're serving in that area of giftedness, and others have testified to that. It can become unbalanced. And in the church at Corinth, it was the sign gifts that become overemphasized. Because remember, they were proud of their oratory. So anything that was verbal, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, that's where they tend to, to lean that way. And it became quite unbalanced. That's why Paul gave a list of all the gifts, and they weren't all oratory, public oratory. We can, when we lose purpose, we also can become uncontrolled. And then gifts become a sign of disunity rather than unity. In other words, if you have the gift of discernment, if you have the gift of encouragement, if you have the gift of service, use those gifts and use them to build up the body. It's one of the purposes of them, to build up the body. The church you attend, if it's Elam, Elam should be strengthened because you use your gifts. Not, not other people, you. Your, Elam becomes strong as you and I use our gifts because the Holy Spirit has given his gifts to build up his church. And this all tells us much about the Holy Spirit. His ministry is to point to Jesus Christ, and we are the church of Christ who holds out the hope to the world. So it shouldn't be surprising that the Holy Spirit comes, and one of his desires is that we build up one another. We strengthen the church. We pursue unity. Because the goal in all this is God's glory in the building up of his church. And we need to guard against a couple things that really work against us. One you could call self-depreciation. In other words, this idea that I'm not needed. Or my gift doesn't seem very big. Or maybe your gift is primarily exercised in private. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement and God uses you to write notes out and visit people one-on-one and, and after a while you're like, I'm not really needed. Or it could be the other side of it, self-exaltation. You're not needed like I am. <laughs> Flip the coin a little bit. And the thing is, whether it's self-depreciation or self-exaltation, neither builds up the body, which is the desire of the Holy Spirit. And so if we're learning more about the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit, which teach us the Holy Spirit desires we would use his gifts to build up one another. We're also told something else in this passage. And that is spiritual gifts are distributed as the Holy Spirit wills. Verse 7, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 8, to one is given the word of the wisdom. How? Through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Verse 11, but one in the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Gifts you have because the Holy Spirit desired you to have those gifts. Appreciate them. Use them. Rejoice in them that you have an opportunity to glorify God in using them and build up his church. This addresses another issue, I think. One of the questions I hear, are some gifts miraculous and some non-miraculous? I mean, we have a list of some People will say, those, well, those are miraculous, and, and those other gifts like service and encouragement and teaching, those are non-miraculous. That's a distinction we would be wise not to make for a couple reasons. One, because they're spiritual gifts, they come with the Spirit's power, which affect 
change. That's a miracle. All gifts have the ability, when used by the Holy Spirit, to bring about what you and I could call miraculous, supernatural change. Another reason we don't want to make that distinction is that we can tend to think that the miraculous gifts or supernatural are more important or more clearly from the Lord, as some might say. And we may devalue what some would call the non-miraculous gifts. The distinction can also cause us to be suspicious about those miraculous gifts. But 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 stands contrary to this. There's variety of gifts, yes, there are variety of ministries, yes, there are variety of results. But there's not like miraculous and non-miraculous. And so I don't refer to them as miraculous, I don't refer to them as supernatural, I refer to the distinction. So we know what we're talking about is sign gifts. And we'll talk about those. The reason I want to talk about those next week is because I've had questions about them. And so we might as well address them. And so we'll talk about them next week. Um, but without the context of what these gifts tell us about the Holy Spirit, we're, we're going we're to be off. It'll be distorted. The Holy Spirit gives gifts as he wills. It's significant you and I are seek out gifts that have already been given to us. But what's, what's 1 Corinthians 12, 31 then talking about? Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. What's that about? I mean, if the Holy Spirit's given gifts to us as he desires, why are we told to earnestly desire the greater gifts? Well, if we flip over to cross-reference 1 Corinthians 14, 12, we get our answer. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. It seems to be Paul's emphasis is if you want greater gifts, they're the gifts that build up the church. Seek those gifts. Again, in the context of Corinth, there's a lot more going on than we would, we would see just by reading this. But the greater gifts are the gifts that specifically build up. What gifts necessarily or potentially could not tongues, because they couldn't understand it, if there was no interpretation. And so his context is build up or seek those gifts. If you're going to desire gifts, desire those that build up Christ's church. That's the emphasis. And so you and I don't plead. I don't think we wait to acquire a gift through human effort. We just use the gifts that have been given to us with the goal of building up the body. And so it seems from what Paul's saying, it's the intelligible gifts that build up the body. And just by obvious, but by way of reminder, there isn't a spiritual gift of gossip or slander or expression that tears down. Those aren't spiritual gifts at all. Um, and so spiritual gifts build up. There's your measuring. And is the gift I'm using building up? Is it encouraging his church? Is it instructing his church and building it up? That's our, that's our gauge, if I can use that word. And the spiritual gifts are distributed as the Holy Spirit wills. I'm one of those. I'm not, I would encourage people, don't go seeking other gifts if you're not using the ones you already have. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Use the gifts you know God. Discover them and use them to build up his church. If he wants you to have more or other, leave that up to the Holy Spirit. Just be faithful to use what you have. I fear over the years that there's too many who use the church, but they don't love the church. And if they're not getting what they want, if it's not going the way they want, they get upset, angry, leave, whatever. 
but they don't love his church. Use your gifts to build up his church. If he's called you to Elam, if he's called you to another church, use your gifts to build up that church. Because he gives gifts as he wills for the purpose of the common good to build up his church. Because when that happens, ultimately God is glorified. He calls none of us to be lone rangers. And so the question is, are you seeking to build and to strengthen Elam or the church you go to intentionally by using your gifts? If you're not, you're not walking in the Spirit. That's part of keeping step in the Spirit. Non-serving Christians is a contradiction in terms. That's why there's a renewed call from our elders towards covenant membership. Because we want to communicate to people, we need you to use your gifts to have the maximum impact we can as a church. We need everybody using their gifts. And so we call everybody to this covenant membership so we can encourage and exhort and call upon everyone to use their gifts. It's one of our motivations. What are the gifts given by the Holy Spirit? Well, there's three lists. 1 Corinthians 12, well, there's places we find them. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 7 through 11, Romans 12, 6 through 8 are primary places. 1 Peter 4 also refers and emphasizes a couple other. What are they? I'm going to break them into three categories. These aren't scripture. <laughs> These are just maybe to get a hold of them, on them a little bit better. They're serving gifts. The gift of helps, others call that service. The gift of exhortation, the, the gift of encouragement. The type of encouragement that the Holy Spirit empowers and it's life transforming. And that's, that's cool. When the Holy Spirit can take it and just do the miraculous. It's the gift of giving. God just compels people, positions them in life that they can give. Gift of leadership, administration, faith, gift of mercy. We serve the body when we use those gifts. We equip the body. The gift of apostle, not the office. We'll talk about this a little bit more next week. Prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, evangelism, pastor, shepherd, teacher. Those are equipping gifts. Sign gifts, miracles, healings, tongues, interpretation. They're obvious indications, you could say. They're kind of a little bit more obvious. And so, again, we'll break that category down a little bit more next week. I do want to talk a little bit about sometimes our expectation a little bit when we use our gift. Sometimes I think there's an expectation that there'll be a huge response. When you use your gift, it might just be one person. It just might be that one person God calls you to build up, and you never know what that person's going to do. And I was reading a little bit about Billy Graham, our hero in the faith, who went home to be with Jesus this week. And, uh, and he wins this week. <laughs> He's with the Lord. Um, but not many people know the people behind his ministry. I'm mean, amazing the person who told him about Christ, the people who prayed when he was speaking, people you and I never saw. We just saw the fruit of a faithful servant who God used, but he wasn't the only one using gifts. God's spirit in cooperation with multiple gifts brought about great fruit. And some of you might think, you know what, I never, I, while I enjoy evangelizing, I feel like it comes a little easier, and I, I, it seems like I'm able to steer conversations by God's Spirit to the need for Christ pretty easy. I can never have thousands come to faith like Billy Graham. I could never do that. 
But who's to say three people is not as miraculous as 3,000? I mean, the salvation of a soul is a miraculous, supernatural work of God, whether it's one or a hundred. And so don't, don't compare numbers, don't compare volume, capacity with those in the body who have other gifts. Use your gifts faithfully. God will take it from there. God will impact who he wants to impact, when he wants to impact it. And so we would be wise not to compare. I, I know there's a tendency to do that. Just be faithful to use your gifts. God will take care of the rest of it. While there's some overlap, if we were added up, there's about 22 gifts, and they're all important. A follower of Jesus, I believe, is given at least one gift, and every single one of them is needed to build up his church. Another question, are there more gifts than are listed? There's debates about that. I'm not going to debate it. I just know use the gift you have. If there's more, discover it. I think there's probably, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, a variety of ministries, a variety of effects, and a variety of gifts. And so discover your gift and use it. I'm not sure God would hold out more gifts and say, well, here's some of the gifts, and I'm not going to tell you about the rest. I'll hide them. I'm not sure God plays hide and seek. Um, but there's certainly gifts that take many forms in different people and different situations as the Holy Spirit works we probably should be a little careful to adding to the list. The emphasis, though, is not really on the gifts, but the grace of God in giving the gifts for the purpose that he desires. The Holy Spirit gives gifts as he wills. He empowers them to have a spiritual impact. And the Holy Spirit always desires that God be glorified and his church be built up in the exercise of those gifts. So spiritual gifts tell us a lot about the Holy Spirit's desire and certainly his grace. What difference does it all make? Well, if we leave our gift unwrapped on the shelf, we'll never experience all what God wants to do in us and through us. We'll miss out. So discover your gifts. Ask God to show you what they are. Go see Mark. Take intentional steps to discover them. Use your gifts Ask God's Spirit, show me today how I can use the gifts you've given me to build up your people and to glorify you. And this one has been redundant on purpose because it's one of the main purposes. Focus on building up his church, on one another, on the brethren. Because brothers and sisters, it's what the indwelling Spirit wants to do in you and through you called spiritual gifts. Let's purpose in our hearts to change in his direction and to see him do incredible things to the praise of his glory and grace. Let's pray. Father, um, help each of us to hear your call. Your call to us. A call that says you want to use us. Your call that says you want to equip us. Your call that says you've gifted us and that your divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Help us to hear that call. Not just now, but on Monday afternoon and Wednesday morning, Thursday, 
as we go throughout the week. Give us eyes to see opportunities where we can just step out and be used by you. Lord, I know it's frightful at times. You call us to do hard things. But help us to know they're good things. They're what you want us to do. And Lord, never let us forget the purpose behind using your gifts is to glorify you and build up your church. Protect us, God, from hindering your work among us. Protect us from doing that which doesn't build. Might we never be a part of those who tear down, but always those who build up. And oh God, change us. Transform us. Cause us here at Elam to be a church that's faithful to use your gifts for your glory and that your church would be strengthened and unified so the world could see you at work in us. In the name of the Savior we pray. Amen.